Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Kuti Voice. Today, we're talking with Trent Baldock, born and bred in Bondi, a carpenter by trade, but has spent the better past of the last 10 years touring around the world as a musician with hardcore Aussie band, The Lentless. Now a celebrity marriage celebrant and mental health advocate, in today's episode, we unpack the issues of mental health in the East and the importance of reaching out and looking after each other. You're listening to Coogee Voice. On the front of Bondi Beach, the rent is absolutely ridiculous. It's it's the forefront of the most famous beach in the world. And you can walk up and down there now. Most places in the best, before COVID, when it was the hottest summers and normal winters, a normal retail space would not last more than three years. Unless you had like your locals across all winter, they would never last. And now that COVID's hit and everything keeps shutting down, opening up, shutting down, it's impacted dramatically. Sometimes you'd land in another country, you'd have to you'd get given a car, a GPS, and then for the next month you're just winging it. And it's just, that's your time when you've really got to step up and take the life lessons and take on what you've got. Trent, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into talking about all the weird and wonderful stuff that you are doing, including mental health advocacy, the band, you being a celebrant, you're born and bred Eastern suburbs. What do you love most about the East? Probably just the culture, the old school culture that is slowly and slowly just dissipating, but I love the authenticity of knowing the the true old school families that grew up there and the legacies they've led and, and the way that they have shaped what is there today, really like different families that have been part of the icebergs, different families that are the North Ponto surf club crew. And that these are the people that grew up with my old man in the area like 75 years ago. And just the stories and stuff behind it, the, the original, the original stuff around Bondi and the, and the, and the love and passion for surfing and, and surf club stuff back in the day. I think I just love, I love the stories that have come from there, really. What do you think is driving that change and how can we work to retain that? Unfortunately, without getting too negative, there's, it's, there's no way to retain it. It's gone. But what we have, I guess, you can maintain it as, as much as we can now, but there's no going back. It's gone past that point of no return. I think it's just to the, the infrastructure and the, in, the infiltration of like people that have grown up outside the area they outnumber the locals like three to one. And the the change that they've brought in can't ever be taken back. But the best thing is the true locals and the guys that the the guys and girls and the families that run their own stuff, like they know where the beach what the what the beach was, what it what it is and, and what it should still be. And they're the people that when you hang around with them, you're happy. You you get the it's a sense of family and a sense of purpose around the area and there's nothing better than cruising around there and just catching up with people and it still has that local feeling to it, which is mad, but it's it's the hardest thing is most of the old school crew that grew up around there, they've all moved away. So sold their blocks and moved away. So it's less localized than it used to be. And yeah, I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think you can get back as long as there's still a good sense of localism there and that look out for each other and the good young families that that grew up there bringing up their kids around there, then 
Um, it's beautiful, but yeah, with the infrastructure, the overpopulation, the overdevelopment right now, it's too hard to go back from that. So I guess try to keep it lovely and local with with stick to your stick to your same areas with with what you love with the maybe look to the local stores don't don't shop at the big stores try to stick with the local butchers and just try to keep it as local friendly as possible that's about it really but it's a bit hard to it's a bit hard to go back on something like that big as that when the the changes come in already so two quick questions before we start getting into the work that you've done a Malfi beach club yes or no Definitely not. <laughs> privatization of the Bondi Pavilion, yes or no? Um, not privatization, um, locally run, which I think they're doing right now. So I think what I've seen is like, you know what, don't get me wrong, I've had many a day down at Bucket List down there and I love that it was the one-off. That was the best. And Andy, I used to, when I grew up at the surf club, um, Andy just owned a little square, seduced or whatever. He had a little orange juice store there. And then from there, he became bucket list. So he's been there for years. So I loved going there and I loved that. I knew the owner and that kind of stuff was very localized in that area. But to then bring other people from outside it and then to profit off that kind of our beach and the love of what our area that we've grown up with, I don't think that should be done. I like the fact that when the pavilion turns into what it's slowly becoming, there's going to be like a big youth hub there. There's going to be like a ceramic pottery barn around there. There's going to be heaps more more youth-based focus. And I know we have lost and we don't have a drinking pace on the beach for socializing and all that, but I would choose a thousand times over to have a better, safer place for all the kids and youth around here to go and hang out and be looked after than get all people driving from all over Sydney to come and have a drink at the famous Bondi. That's hands down where I'd go. Well said. Now, there's a fair bit for us to go through today, but let's start with your advocacy in mental health. Now, Trent, looking at you, you wouldn't necessarily be the first person who I would think would be openly and outwardly talking about mental health and around the need for us to address this. You are very open about it, though. Why is it so important that we destigmatize mental health and start normalizing our conversations around it? Definitely just for me growing up, I was very shut off, but I also had a lot of escapes. So coming from the beachside community, I had surfing, skating. I had all these releases that I could run away and hide in. You know what I mean? They were like my releases um, away from my trials and tribulations and all that kind of stuff. And the big thing for me is I had music. So I guess I'm a lot more fortunate enough that had something, a place to go to, which was my safe haven. And that was my escape. But Definitely in today's society, there's so many, it's so hard for kids like maybe have abusive families, come from domestic violence, come from drug and alcohol abuse, have grown up on the streets, all, all these other things, or they could even come from like the perfect families. Like everyone um, relates mental health and a lot of other things to broken families with abusive parents and all this other stuff, but they don't think about what about the well-off kids that have been given everything their whole life and are never good enough for their parents. Like these people are pushed so hard, they're like, you have to be this, you went to the best schools, the best, all this stuff, so we've been throwing you, we've given you everything, but yet they can never be good enough for their parents, so there's that side too, so it doesn't matter which side of the demographic you come from. It was just, I had safe places, and definitely coming from past experiences. When it's come to this lately, I've been thrown into this mental health advocacy, but not even thinking about it, it just, I just fell into it. So I was, 
I've always come from the music background, so I was very fortunate enough, and I took on it myself that every time I got the opportunity with a microphone to stand in front of one kid or a thousand kids, I wanted to. I wanted every kid to leave that room being forced a, a positive message and felt feeling safe in a, in a in a safe, healthy environment. And definitely from that, I've definitely learned from past experiences that bottling it up is not the answer. It doesn't matter what you do. And I think coming from such a like an Aussie background where it's very um, not male dominated but very masculine dominated, you were taught at a very young age. Like I knew playing football, the strongest, hardest, toughest dudes were the best on the field. So you felt you had to fit this demographic of the weaker ones never survived kind of thing. Like only the strong survive and all this other stuff. And I think that's where coming in today's society, that's not the answer. Definitely. We've got to be more open, more more laid back. Bottling it up is probably not the best way to do it. It's definitely not. So do you think that we need to change our definition or our understanding of what strong means? Yes. I had a big think about this when I did a 24-hour walk for Rise Foundation. Back in the day, the thought of a strong male was one that didn't cry, one that was tough, one that had a backbone and stood up towards all this kind of stuff. But my thoughts of a 2021 strong man, my definition of a strong male is a provider for the family. One that looks after his mother. You don't have to be what would the definition of soft, but the way you look at it, if you were like a tough man, it's more family-based, I reckon, than the way you act around people. I feel like that's the way... That's what a, a, like a new age tough man should be. It's it's one that looks out for the uh, the less fortunate and um, helps them out in lesser situa- situations. The last 18 months has been uh, quite turbulent and trying for a lot of people. COVID has impacted people's economic back pockets. We've seen increases in domestic violence. How have you seen What's happened over the last 18 months impact our community? Oh, it's like from a retail space, Bondi is one of the hardest places to make it in the world. Like on the front of Bondi Beach, the rent is absolutely ridiculous. It's it's the forefront of the most famous beach in the world. And you can walk up and down there now. Most places in the best, before COVID, when it was the hottest summers and normal winters, a normal retail space would not last more than three years. Unless you had like your locals across all winter, that would never last. And now that COVID's hit and everything keeps shutting down, opening up, shutting down, it's impacted dramatically. You walk along the beachfront now and you'll see new places opening up every every six months. Places closing down, like they're pretty much pop-up shops now. There's just no one can no one can look that far ahead because they don't have enough money to put in a, a shop fit out because if they spend all their money on a shop fit out, then it'll be closed and they have no money to sustain rent during that time. But it's it's definitely taken an impact on the economy, the infrastructure and everything around, and which reflects the families and all that other stuff in the area for sure. You've spoken a bit about your music, how important it is to you. You've pretty much spent the last decade touring around the world with hardcore band Relentless. You've also created a theme song for Rise Foundation where you've used your talents in this space uh, to promote mental health. Tell us about the band. How did it form and how is COVID impacting your performance and art? 
Yeah, definitely. It's taken COVID has not only hurt a lot of industries, but one that's definitely taken a lot harder and a lot of people have been pushed under the carpet in that sense is the whole arts. So I'm the music background, but the whole arts, like there's so many people under the art scenarios of um, engineers, there's photographers, videographers that do weddings. There's ones that do musicians, but I started a band in 2005, maybe 2004. Between 2005, 2006, um, called Relentless, Sydney hardcore band. Um, and since then, we've been fortunate enough to travel the world, been to America twice, Europe, Southeast Asia twice, been to New Zealand, toured in Australia countless amount of times. Definitely that time in my life, it, it kept me out of trouble and gave me a sense of purpose. Um, fortunate enough, I was able to travel the world and see so many amazing things and and turned me into the person I am today and molded me. I was able to learn so much for being on the road and pretty much just being, sometimes you'd land in another country, you'd have to, you get given a car, a GPS, and then for the next month you're just winging it. And it's just, that's your time when you've really got to step up and take the life lessons and take on what you've got. But yeah, COVID's definitely hit hard, um, not only on the local, like a local scene, but on, on a global scene too, because Lots of musicians, and unfortunately, we've lost a band from Perth and a band from Melbourne, both bass players, um, in the last, I'd say, two months now. We've lost two of them to, to suicide as well, and the hardest thing with that in the arts and definitely in the hardcore music scene, I know for sure, if you've spent the last 10 years touring nine to 10 months of the year, day in, day out, in a bus, you get your your per diem, you get your money every day, you have your rider after, you've, that's your like your routine, you're, you're stuck with that and you adapt to that, that is your lifestyle. So then to come back to Australia and for like nearly the last 18 months or whatever, to be at home, not traveling, not not playing music, pretty much your, your paycheck gone, it's definitely taken a lot of effect on not only people's financial futures but their mental health futures and current state that's uh um fortunate enough for me um relentless took a back seat in the last maybe three years we uh we we slowed down a lot as an international band a drummer had a, um, a kid bought a house i started my apprenticeship um a lot of other things but so i was fortunate enough to have other things to fall back on like when when relentless slowed down i still have the carpentry to, to do but bands that are full-time like spending three months of the year in Europe, uh, two months a year in, in America and the rest traveling around Australia to almost come back to have nothing. It would be very, very hard to adapt to that. So yeah, I'm going to say without even saying music, I'm going to say the arts, the whole arts as a whole from makeup artists to to any type of of art industry. It has definitely taken a big, big, big hit in the last year to year and a half. And uh, some people won't be able to come back from it, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's a terrible time. Is there anything that you think that government could do to be supporting the art sector more? Um, well, most of those people are like self-employed and all that. So some sort of like job keeper or like a benefit relief or something, like definitely need to be helped out more because it, like I know for a fact I've seen a lot of things, people in Melbourne and Sydney that are sole traders, single run businesses and they don't fall into the category of making this amount of money because they're not proprietary limiteds they're sole traders they're all these other things so they they're not allowed it they they don't earn enough to get this much then they don't fall into this category because they work for themselves 
And then the fact that they're in lockdown, their business is on pause, they're getting no help. So yeah, they need some sort of government subsidy for the arts, definitely, like a JobKeeper kind of thing. Changing gears a little bit, Trent the Celebrant. Now, (laughs) you went to a local Catholic school. We actually went to the same local (laughs) Catholic school. What motivated you to become a celebrant? Uh, One of my best mates growing up. She was maybe, I think she went to possibly the same high school as you girls, you you and your sister, I think. I um, I grew up with her. Um, she was like my best mate from a young age. She did work experience at the surf shop that I worked at. I was real good friends with her dad. Um, I used to drop her at school when I was driving to work some morning. She'd be at the bus stop and we were just best mates growing up. And then I got to the point I was touring full time and I knew she found a partner. And she called me one afternoon being like, James and I want you to be part of our wedding. And I'm like, all right, well, I've come from a, a record label band. I think it must be a logistic kind of thing. So she wants me to do a wedding planner. So I'm like, yeah, what do you need? And she's like, we want you to marry us. And I was like, all right, well, this sounds like a bit of fun. I could do that. So from there, I looked into the course, paid the money, did the course, and pretty much did it just to, just to marry her. Eight months later, it took a hell of a lot longer than I thought and way harder than I ever thought it could be. Um, got my celebrant license. Married them. I was already emceeing another mate about a month or two after that wedding. And then as soon as he found out, he's like, well, you're marrying us too then. We've got to do that. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. It, it Same thing as the mental health advocacy. Like this, there was no plan to – there was no Trent the Celebrant. This was me just doing a Celebrant course to marry a mate. And then, um, uh, yeah, and then so I launched an Instagram. I launched a, a website. And then I just started getting messages from random people that I'd never met before. So I branched out from friends and family. And then I've done, since that, I've done two seasons on Married at First Sight. And I've been, I think it's September this year is five years since my first wedding I've done. <laughs> and who knew I'd be here today? Yeah. So it's a lot of fun, but. As you just said, you have famously presided over the marriage <laughs> of Jules and Cam and been married at first sight. You've got to have some juicy stories. That you can <laughs> I, share. I don't, but like people always come to me, they're like, let me know everything. I'm like, all I can tell you is the beginning of that wedding is 100% real that they've never met before and the first look is 100% real. I don't know anything else about that. I get in there, I do the, I do my two hours of shooting for the weddings and then I bail. So the first time they see each other, you know it's real like because they are so nervous, they can't even look at each other. And it's pretty funny coming from like being a marriage celebrant because I've – I do it and usually you walk there and they can't keep their eyes off each other and they're just so in love. And then you're doing this show and they walk down and they're like two little two little teenagers meeting for the first time. So it's kind of mad, but I can't, other than that, as soon as they walk down the aisle and the, the, the camera walks off, I bail home. So I, I've got no juicy anything. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a good person to come to if you want to get the goss. All right, no names, but best and worst wedding you've ever presented over? Best. Actually, there was one worst one that I did about a year or two ago and definitely the groom probably thought the way to um, not be as nervous was to get a little bit more relaxed before he walked out. I don't know, he should have had some chewing gum in his mouth because his earlobe was the closest thing to being chewed the whole walking down the aisle. But um, that was quite an interesting one. 
Um, that was probably, without saying worse, that was the most interesting. Best, I've done some cool ones over Manly where they get really, really involved with the family. Like they've had dogs carry out the rings. I've had, I've had a lot. Luckily enough, I've had a really good track record. Every couple that I've worked with are amazing. And um, I guess everyone's different. Every, every love story is different. So I, I love dealing with every different couple and what they bring to the table on the day. So I'm lucky enough to have a good track record of better than worse. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> no bridezillas here yet. <laughs> Before we let you go, there are three questions we ask everyone that comes onto Coogee Voice. You have to declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where sells the best burgers, and where you can get the best coffee. Go. Ooh. This will get me in trouble. So, like, Bondi, beach-wise, 100%. Like, as a local, if I could get it on a perfect sunny winter day with no one, (laughs) amazing. The best place in the world. I wouldn't change it. And the other thing is, although it's overrun with a lot of other people now, my 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 thoughts and memories are still of me as a grommet jumping off the bogey hole at South. So that'll still always be that my image of Bondi. It doesn't matter what happens to it. So Bondi Beach, the best burgers. See, this will get like I know so many. Maybe I'll go outside of Bondi so I get less less trouble. Um, oh, easily. Sorry, Bondi Tonys, but um, Little L North Bondi, the best chicken burger in Bondi. Can't go past it. Best chicken burger in Sydney, actually. And what was the other question? Coffee. Oh, damn. I just go to one cafe, so I wouldn't know. I don't venture out. I'm a, I'm a product of habit. Birachina, South Bondi, for my favourite coffee. Trent, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. If people want to check out more of what you're doing, mental health, relentless in the band, as well as you as a celebrant, where should they head to? Oh, gosh. Uh, there's like 15 different sites for everything um i guess my my normal instagram handle is just at trentless t-r-e-n-t-l-e-s-s on there i have links to pretty much everything but main things would just be trentless um endless story um endless story co check out rise foundation for sure dogfight records um and relentless hardcore sydney that'd probably be on trent the celebrant <laughs> pretty much just google everything you'll find something i reckon trent Thanks for being on Could You Voice. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. What an uplifting and energetic chat. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Trent Bulldog, you can find him on Instagram at Trentless. You've been listening to Could You Voice.